You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I'm a credentialed media member covering the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns. The dust has cleared after a Game 6 loss that I'm sure many Suns fans will never forget for unfortunate reasons, um, but the nature of this wild NBA calendar does in fact mean we have to sort of move into offseason talk soon. I want to do that, but I also want to give this team its due because they deserve that as well. So to discuss this special run, what it means for this Suns team, as well as just the organization and the community, frankly, um, I wanted to talk to somebody who could speak to all those things. So I brought on Gina Mizell of Suns.com. Gina, you're Always gracious to join us after long travel and after these pressure moments, Um, so I do thank you for that, but I kind of want to start things out by just clearing out and kind of letting you go here just to describe what the scene was like. You were fortunate, I think, in the NBA Finals that the media actually got to be in person for some of this, which is good because it's a moment that called for it, so what are you thinking about here about what? 12 no less hours after uh game six yeah I mean it was obviously an incredible performance by the Bucks and so um where we're situated we're, we're about I, w- I would say we're in the corner um kind of at the same level we're on a suite level so similar to where you sit Brendan at home games like so kind of that okay. 200 level so game ends but even in the moments that the game is ending, you know, the crowd is getting really, really amped. I'm sure that I'm sure that showed through on TV. The confetti comes down, the streamers come down. And then it's really interesting because those of us who cover the Suns, um, rather than stay out for the trophy presentation, they're like, we need to get you downstairs. Cause like you mentioned, it's it's a little bit different with, you know, all the protocols and stuff that we had to be escorted everywhere, which is totally fine. I'm thankful that we had that in-person interaction um but so there was a handful of us that you know get taken down this service elevator to the event level and we're walking down the hallway and you know people in Milwaukee people are really excited and then we're sitting in the room where all the press conferences take place and um you can just hear everything that's happening on the floor whether it's music whether it's chants whether it's you know uh you can tell when the trophy presentation is happening and so if I can hear that in the room that we're in, then certainly the visiting locker room could also hear it. And so that's some, that's something that uh, I, I'll have a story up later on, on suns.com or I'm sure it'll be out uh, by the time this, this goes live, just sort of trying to reflect um, on, on the playoff run on the season on how special all of this is. And uh, that little scene didn't quite make it into the story, but I think it's important to mention just because, it was very interesting to kind of sit there and you like hear the celebration happening outside. And I I'm thinking to myself, just man, to be a player or a coach or a staff member, like actually on the team, like this has to be brutal to have to listen to this. And I'm sure every championship uh, moment is like that, but I had never personally experienced it before. So, you know, I'm sitting there and hearing all this go on and all the cheers and everything. And then, um, Chris Paul actually came in first, which usually Monty is the first person who will talk to us. And, you know, he was obviously, you know, very disappointed, but 
the moment that's going to stick with me is, and I'm sure it's gone, you know, pretty viral as far as on social media, but when Monty Williams broke down, um, I yeah. mean, just being in the room when that was happening and you could kind of see as he was talking until that moment, like, you know, you can like tell when someone's about to like, they're holding back tears, you know, their eyes are glossy, like their voice doesn't quite sound the way that it normally does. And then, yeah, I don't know what it was about Rachel's question that just sort of made Monty break down, but he breaks down, you've all seen it. But then what I don't think people did see was that after he walked off the stage or the dais, um, Devin Booker had sort of snuck in the door. And so he was waiting and he was walking up and like, they both like shared this hug and we've seen Monty Williams hug a lot of Suns players throughout <laughs> this playoff run, but it was obviously like a different meaning hug in that moment. So yeah, that's kind of what will stick out most to me is just kind of witnessing that just the kind of the raw, fresh emotions of, of losing such a heartbreaking series, a series that very easily could have tilted in the sun's direction if they win game four or game five, uh, you know, kind of seeing Giannis do what he did and, and the Bucks kind of have their moment after some some pretty big playoff heartbreak the last two seasons. Uh, just, you know, all of that I was sort of thinking about, but certainly the that moment between Monty both by himself when he sort of broke down and then hugging Devin Booker. And then I'm assuming that right after he did that is when he went to the Bucks locker room. Yeah. And, and so like, I'm, I'm kind of piecing that all together in my <laughs> head and just like what that's all like um, to sort of have that, to have to go through all of those process, process things, you know, after, after losing, you know, the, the toughest game of your career for all those guys, I'm sure. It makes me think you were saying you're not sure what you know it was about Rachel's question. I, I would imagine it wasn't anything. It it just yeah. feels like it was the moment hitting him for yeah. Yeah. you know all all of all of the reasons you would imagine. And it makes me think of Chris Paul telling the story that he's told so many times of seeing the t-shirts uh, or or mm -hmm. the gear of yep. the final of making the finals in Houston, and uh, it obviously not playing out that way and hearing, you know, the sounds of the opposing team celebrating when you were on the cusp as you headed out of Phoenix a week ago, you know, thinking that this series was in your control and it was. And then for that not to, to come your way is, is obviously pretty devastating. And, and Monty, I think what killed me hearing him say that was, or hearing him um, react the way that he did was, he's a guy that tends to have such wisdom and perspective in a moment like that. And he did. Right. And I think it was what we were seeing was him trying to find that in my opinion, it was just, and I think that's sort of why he shook his head and, and sort of wrapped up at that point was, I think it, it, to me, it felt like him trying to remind himself that, th that it is special still right like that it, it's not a failure and to not dwell on the negative I'm sure that's part of why he wanted to go speak with the Bucks is just to to kind of be positive in the ways that it's possible to be positive and and look past the 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 disappointment and I, I'm sure it does help that the Bucks are not a hateable team by any means I'm sure right. Zuns fans are finding solace in that as well but let's just take a, a 30,000 foot view here a little bit, Gina, and kind of, we're going to split it up by like team versus organization. And I know there's going to be some overlap, but 
just this run, getting to the cusp of an NBA title this way, what do you think it will mean for this group going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think going forward, it it sounds cliche, and I'm sort of stealing what the main theme of last night was, but now they know what it takes to sort of get to that final push toward the top. And we had talked so much about the lack of experience on this team during the, the playoffs, and, and it sort of for a long time seemed to not matter. It was like this team was learning on the fly. This team was figuring things out. They had enough veteran leadership with Chris Paul and Jay Crowder to sort of you know, shepherd these young guys along. But I think, you know, this was the hard growth moment for this team. And, you know, I've covered teams in the past, or I think just watching sports, you see that most teams don't go from not making the playoffs to winning a championship. That's just not usually the path that it takes. And as Monty said, right, you don't do this. You don't do this. This doesn't happen. Um, And, and so, you know, the fact that, it's like they had the ultimate heartbreak because they were two wins from a championship. And like you said, we're in control of this series, but also I think this is where you, where you grow. And that's why we love sports and we love watching these journeys. And, you know, frankly, that's why it was kind of inspiring to watch the bucks celebrate or to just cause you, you, you knew what they had gone through, you know, what they had gone through against yeah. Toronto two years ago, you knew what they had gone through against the heat in the bubble. And like, it, this was a culmination of like everything coming together. Um, I'll, I'll share kind of a, a personal anecdote. Uh, when I got on my flight back to Milwaukee um, on Sunday, whatever day that was, yeah, Sunday after game five, um, I, I oddly enough did not even realize it when we sat down, but um, I was sitting next to Chris Middleton's dad. Like I was in the oh, window, wow. he was in the aisle and I somehow gathered that's who it was. And like, I wasn't trying to be like, you know, all in his business or whatever, but I just, I introduced myself and um, we were just, you know, talking before the flight was flight took off. And, you know, he kind of made a comment like, man, this turnaround for the Suns was just so quick. And I, I even said then I was like, you, yeah, you guys have gone through some stuff to get here. And, you know, they're, they're certainly a worthy champion because of it. So yeah, what I hope the Suns take away from this is just how hard it is, even though at some time, at some points, this playoff run, not seemed relatively easy, but teams don't win nine games in a row. Teams don't, you know, knock off the defending champs in the first round as the Vegas underdog. You know, teams don't go through the league MVP. Teams don't, you know, survive when their their point guard hurts his shoulder and then is in COVID protocols. Like, just there, there's stuff that this team kind of overcame, but it it finally hit that adversity where. Um, frankly, the Bucks were just better than them. It wasn't because yeah. of injury. It wasn't because of, you know, bad officiating as much as I know fans want to latch on to stuff like that. It was just the Bucks were just better, whether it was Giannis doing what he did or whether it was their guard play with Middleton and um, with, with Drew Holiday, whether it was their defense, their crunch time mo- moments, just they ran into a team that looked ready for the moment. And I'm not yeah. saying the Suns weren't ready. It's just they ran into the team that has been building to this for three years and really like eight years, if you go back to when Giannis and and Middleton got together. So I I think that's just, it shows that there's still, you know, a a next gear for this team to hit. And, and the whole thing of like, you can't, you don't know what you don't know and you have to go Mm -hmm. through experiences. I think all of that is, is in play and it's going to be tough to get back to the finals, just given the landscape of the West. We know that certainly Suns fans know that with the, the the heartbreak and just falling short. So uh, I'm not, you know, out here saying, oh, this team's going to get back to the finals again next year. But I do think 
for their next playoff run, which we can assume and hope will be next season, you know, barring injuries or, or crazy circumstances, you know, this team will know that extra gear that it will take and, and, and the, the way that things have to kind of both fall into place for you, but the things you need to make happen. And so I think that'll be, that'll be really fun to watch as far as how that applies to how this team approaches the regular season. And then of course, how they approach the early, the early moments of the playoffs. And as we get deeper in the playoffs, like that's going to be a fun thing to chronicle. And that's been something that those who follow the Bucks have, have watched with a, a very keen eye uh, the past couple of years yeah. and certainly been during this playoff run. And so I think, you know, not <clears throat> to go down the exact same path, but there, there's a lot of interesting parallels or interesting ways you can examine both teams just because they're sort of in, in different places in their growth and their development. Yeah, it to me, it's... I was, you know, I'm obviously trying to be a little bit positive for people listening last night, but I do believe it. And again, it is going to be hard, but you look at the payoff when Malik Andrews asked, and I don't know if you saw this because you were, like you said, in the in the uh, opposing area, but she asked, you know, what is it like to have gone through eight years of build and then do it with a teammate like Chris? And they shared a really special moment. And I do think... Would it have been great to end it on Thursday night? Of course. But I think that there's going to be something so special when and if Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton are able to have that moment. You know, yeah. it's yep. it does make it different. It, it's not to say this one wouldn't have been special, but I do think there is something when you have a relationship with the players um, and the, the group that you've watched culminate into something is, is really special. And I think that's what we're headed toward because I do think this roster is ready and they've now tasted it and they've now you know kind of experienced something where I don't really think anyone's going to be calling this team young anymore it's just one of those things where yes they still are inexperienced but they've now done this so we don't have that tag for them anymore and you know the bubble showed us I think that when there's a hunger they're able to keep that and and turn it into to momentum and work ethic and everything else so I want to touch on a little bit more of that and then zoom out even further to some of the organizational stuff. But Devin Booker said something in his postgame comments that I want to talk about as far as the level that this program is going to demand out of its players going forward. But let's take a quick break first here from Rock Auto. The episode brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's basically impossible these days to head into your local auto parts store or dealership even worse, and expect that you're going to get what you need at a reasonable price. You're not going to be ordering in bulk, of course, so you're not going to get the discount that a professional might get, and you're kind of at the whim of saying what kind of car you have and what part is needing replaced and hoping that they give you what you need and they don't just charge you um, whatever they want, frankly, because, look, we don't know all of what we need to know about cars. We're kind of trusting that the place giving it to us is going to tell us the truth and give us a reasonable price. Well, that's where Rock Auto comes in. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. You don't even need an account to get in. Prices are reliably low, and you can save 30, 50, even 100% compared to, again, that chain store or car dealership. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com, type in your car or truck, scroll down to the part that you need, and when you make your purchase, write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, so what Devin Booker said, Gina, that I glommed onto a little bit is 
the championship level basketball comment that he made, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically it's been what James Jones and Monty Williams have been preaching for their entire tenures, but now there is, uh, I think, a greater level of understanding of what that means. And you did see it in some of those moments against the Bucks, where it just felt like that team was ready. And I think it comes from failure, but it also comes from getting to that moment and seeing what it's like. I mean, even down to something like the amount of contact and physicality that the, the, the finals entail, it's just a different thing. And so I think that is standing out to me. I also feel like what I appreciated about Devin Booker throughout this run is his honesty that he hasn't been here. Like you would, you, he would get questions about, you know, what is this like? Is this what you expected? How are you approaching this? And he would say, you know, it kind of looks like what I've seen on TV, but I don't necessarily know much else other than that. It's my first time. And obviously he stepped up to the moment anyway, but I think to me, the, the big thing you could have said about Chris Paul and Devin Booker and their respective sort of leadership roles on this team was, oh, well, Chris Paul has sort of done it before. And that's not really differentiating them anymore. And I I, I don't want to make too big of a, of a statement about the future just based on this, but it felt like this might be, you know, a run where Booker will be ready next time in a way that he wasn't this time. And maybe this is somewhat of a passing of the torch of, of Devin Booker can sort of speak to these moments, demand that greatness, that championship level basketball out of his teammates in a way that he wasn't able to before in a way that they, you know, kind of had to rely on Chris Paul to do. So I guess, I don't know if you agree or just sort of what wisdom you might've seen Booker gain through this run and how you're thinking about, you know, Booker and that championship level program and and what it looks like in years three and four for this group. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And and just he's kind of the he's the perfect example of what the value of going through this for the first time. And and like you said, he performed incredibly well. You know, he had back to back 40 point games, um, you know, had the tough shooting night in game in game three and, you know, probably didn't shoot as well as he wanted would have wanted to the other night. Um, but it's it's a situation where now he knows. And I, I liked the part of that comment that you're referring to where he said, you know, this could come up on no disrespect to Cleveland, Ohio, but could come up against a, you know, a Tuesday night in Cleveland in January. Like I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying that, no, we need to have the same habits, whether we're playing in the finals or whether it's the, you know, the dog days of the season. And, you know, if you don't have it on a certain night, you still got to dig deep and, and figure out a way to win. And so that's what I'll be really curious to follow next season is, you know, a lot of people think the regular season is meaningless and we're always just trying to fast forward to the playoffs. And and you do wonder if, if there are different ways that um, Monty Williams or the training staff will maybe manage this roster just based on the fact that now they're going to be a quick team with a or a team with a quick turnaround after a finals run into a short offseason. But, you know, even if let's say guys rest or maybe there's a different different approach every now and again, like you can still have the the mental approach that's necessary and you can keep that going for six months, not two months or, or the, you know, the eight month calendar, not just the six month calendar. So that's what I think is going to be really interesting to follow. And, you know, this is a team too, that is sort of thrived on playing loose, playing free, um, you know, having 
kind of a, a even a young personality, even though not immature, but just like sort of thriving on that youthful energy. And um, I'll be I'll wonder if that will change. I in a way I hope it doesn't because I do hmm. think when you play free and you play and you are yourself and you you are able to kind of show that through. You know I think that helps you on the floor. But as far as having the habits and the mental approach and just understanding again what it takes, I think that's going to be something that. Um, Devin Booker can take that his teammates can take that they all can take if they you know bring anybody new into the group as far as free agency or the draft like that stuff that there will be able to there'll be more people that can pass on legitimate wisdom like you said exactly because it was Chris every time they would get asked about it all year it's like oh you know Chris is demanding that out of us Chris is telling us what it's like Jay to a certain extent is is you know conveying the importance of every moment and we're following their lead it won't have to be that way going forward and and I think you do like it is so weird because again they made it all the way to the finals in their first go round together and that throws off the historical context a little bit but you do see I was talking about this a little bit last night in my recap show but just the 2010 or I'm sorry 2011 Thunder they're mm-hmm. the frisky 8 seed and then yep. they come back and they're they just blow the doors off of the league you know, the, the Warriors, they're like, oh, wow, what a second round run. That that group seems interesting. And you have, you know, one ESPN person picking them to win and it's their beat writer the next season because he saw what this was going to be because of, of the drive that, that comes out of them and the wisdom that they gained. And so I think you do see that pattern emerge for young teams. And it seems a little wonky because of the way that they've gotten here and the factor of Chris Paul and his legacy and his age, which I'm going to talk about in the next segment. But I think that you can bet that that will happen. Um, to, to, to get to one more thing here, because we all know, like, you know, new practice facility, renovated arena, young roster, stuff that we've talked about a lot of times. I do think it plays a part in just the sort of rejuvenation of this organization. But one thing that I think is is exciting to me about you know what this run might mean for the franchise and and the way that it's cheered for among this community and everything else is like this weird thing about Arizona sports where whether it's Steve Nash or Randy Johnson or Carson Palmer or Kurt Warner these guys come in their 30s and yeah. and win And this team has a young set of guys, a young set of star players that fit together really well and are, barring something unexpected, really really ready to be together for years and years. And I don't think a Bucks-like development pattern would be too crazy for them or any of the other teams we've talked about. Like, this is a a group that the community is going to be able to really dedicate itself to over the next few years in a way that that we've really truly never had i mean maybe those you know 80s into 90s sons some of those guys were able to to build as a group and and stay together and then barkley gets added and and that goes to another level but this is really exciting to me to just see booker and bridges and johnson and ayton and whatever happens with chris paul even set aside almost that group is going to be here and I think that's so unique and interesting for any sort of person who likes sports here. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that because it, it sort of feels like everything's growing together or everything is rejuvenating together. And it, I mean, it started with with Booker and 
we, we talked about obviously his legacy. Uh, I think the last time I, I joined you and just, he, he's already, um, you know, I, I think he's already pushing toward like that quote unquote Mount Rushmore status as far as just homegrown talent that has, has done, you know, pushed all the right buttons as far as expressing his loyalty to wanting to be here to, you know, grinding through some really hard times in his career when certainly nobody would have blamed him if he would have said, you know, screw this. I, I want to yeah. go somewhere else or, or this is, this is not what I'm having to deal with. But then you add a DeAndre Ayton, you add a Mikhail Bridges and you add a Cam Johnson. And, and yes, the, the veteran additions certainly have helped this team and sort of put everything into, into hyperdrive, but yeah, this is going to be kind of a, a young group and you just, you know, if all goes well this summer, which I assume that it will. And, and, you know, that this team is willing to, to pay, to continue to pay these young talent. Like I do think this could be like a, a thunder type team where they went from like frisky young team to championship contender. And, 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 you know, we've seen the careers of all those players, what they, what they turned into throughout their NBA careers. So yeah, it is, it is really, really fun. And again, it's an endearing bunch. It's an easy group to cheer for. Um, when you sort of talk about the broader impact on Phoenix and the community, um, the example that I keep giving to people is that um, I'm, I'm pretty close. Well, very close with my, with one of my aunts and my cousins and, you know, they are not sports people. Like they, they don't not like sports, but they just are sort of indifferent about sports. Sure. And they got so hooked on this run that, and you can call them bandwagon fans or fair weathered fans or whatever, but they just really were, were like taken by this team. And it started with my aunt and then my cousin kind of jumped on board and on a, on Friday night in between games four and five, like after I got back from Milwaukee the first time we were all getting together and like my cousin is like rattling off like stuff about the players and like stuff that I never thought she would ever know. And it was really, really cool that like just this short period of time was just completely captured kind of the imagination of this city in a way that we haven't seen in such a long time. And so, uh, and I think part of that is because you see that it's these like young players that have sort of grown up together and kind of embody just like what this team wants to be. They, they sort of created it themselves. They didn't necessarily have to go out and like add it, even though yes, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder helped a ton, but that's been really cool. And I think next season, you know, hopefully, hopefully we don't all get got by the the Delta variant and hopefully that things are good, you know, when the season tips off and we can pack the the building and, and that's going to make for a really, really fun regular season. And I think there will just kind of be this anticipation all regular season for the playoffs. And then I think it's going to be an awesome atmosphere again to see what this group can do. But yeah, I, I think that you make a really good point about how it wasn't these like big names that had to be added or, or these established names that had to be added. These, these guys are becoming established names because of the success that they have brought to the Suns and what they've done within the Suns organization. So that's yeah. a really neat thing to, to look at moving forward. And I think that's a, a great point when you look at kind of the landscape and the history of this, of this city and sort of the connection to sports. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And it's a, um, it's a hard thing to necessarily discuss at this moment because people in uh, other corners of basketball analysis have already moved on to the Chris Paul conversation. So we obviously are awaiting some of the dominoes to fall in free agency. The draft is somehow eight days away and I couldn't tell you 15 names to be honest of people who might be selected because it just wasn't uh, what we were talking about. But 
Uh, we'll be here every single day getting you ready for it, guys. I'm going to take a solo segment and discuss some of that Chris Paul stuff, both the rumors and the nonsense that has come out, as well as just um, putting into perspective some of what it was like seeing him and, and obviously watching as he was not fully able to get over the hump this year and, and what it might mean for the future right after a quick break. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. My BetOnline bet of the day for all of you today is on the 2022 NBA MVP because we all can't get enough of this stuff and BetOnline is nice enough to have it ready already. So, the usual suspects, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, the top three. I'm scrolling a little bit further down the page. I'm looking at Trey Young plus 1,600. I love those odds. A lot of the guys ahead of him have already won MVPs. Durant, Curry, Giannis, LeBron, Jokic, all those guys. It's not likely that team players are going to repeat as MVPs. You got James Harden tied at one plus 1,600. I don't see that either. I don't think any of the Nets guys are going to do it. I don't think any of the Lakers guys are going to do it. I like Trey Young plus 1,600. But for all of your New sign-up bonuses and contest info. Bet online is the place, not just for the NBA, but for the MLB, boxing, Olympics, whatever sport you love, you can bet on it by going to betonline.ag. Head to the website or on your mobile device right now. Make an account today, and when you do, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On at checkout for 15% 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Alrighty, a quick final segment here for you all because first of all, I do just want to say for those of you listening, I am not going anywhere. The finals are over, but I am not done here by any means. The draft is eight days away, seven by the time you listen to this. Free agency starting on August 2nd, which I have to admit I was not ready for. I thought I had until the 4th. I thought we all had a little bit of a longer time to decompress after this. We don't, and it is not um, going to slow down anytime soon. We also have Devin Booker competing in the Olympics with Team USA, where I actually think he has a pretty good opportunity to play quite a bit with Bradley Beal now in the protocol and potentially needing to get back into rhythm. So I think these Bucks and Suns will be much welcome addition. So all of that is coming, but the place we have to start is Chris Paul because he is the number one highlight, the number one storyline heading into free agency for the Phoenix Suns. And um, the rumors are already starting is really why I want to talk about him. And you have Mark Spears of the Undefeated talking about, you know, there's interest by the Lakers and... We know the connection. We know Chris Paul's desire to be close to his family. I'll get into all of the rumors and, 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 and my thinking on his situation in just a second, but his, his story is such a big part of this that I do just want to take a minute to think about his legacy a little bit. We talked with Gina about a lot of the young players, a lot of the, the, the future for this team, and I do think that future includes Chris Paul. I want to get that out of the way first. I think the most likely situation here is that he does return, whether that is staying on the last year of his contract, choosing not to opt out and and use that player option, or using the player option and signing an extension. I think it's the most likely situation is he remains a son. But I do think that this finals showed us a, f- a few things, one of which is 
I think that there is some legitimacy to the idea of the small point guard curse. The the challenges that a player that small faces when you get to the highest levels. And it was a bad matchup. We all know that Drew Holiday and the size on the interior for the Bucks, the fact that they could put Giannis at center and so much of Paul's ability to manipulate the defense went out the door. I think there's a lot of, of, of legitimacy to that. And it's not just a Bucks thing because you look up and down, the league is bigger, the league is more versatile, the league is, while also being more reliant on perimeter creators, also valuing perimeter stoppers for the the same exact reason. Guys like Lou Dort, Terrence Mann, Mikhail Bridges are highly valuable in a way that they were not super valuable in the past. You honestly had specialists as post defenders more than you would have perimeter defensive specialists, and that's flipped. And so every team is going to have a guy that can try to slow Chris Paul down. There's going to be size at every turn. And so I think what this shows me, and I'm trying to not be too legacy or emotion uh, based in my analysis here because it does really suck. It is very disappointing. And I do think there was an opportunity here for Chris to finally get his. But going forward, if you assume that Paul will be here in the future, you do have to try to think about how to, to protect him and to give other options. And a lot of that's going to come from internal growth. But we are going to talk about the draft soon. We are going to talk about free agency. I think that there are ways to try to help Chris Paul be better by having more creation on the floor where it doesn't need to be him. And, uh, you know, his role can be somewhat similar to what it was in Oklahoma City or Houston where there are multiple options on the perimeter, either a great, great player like James Harden if Devin Booker continues to escalate, or multiple options like he had in Oklahoma City where even a Danilo Gallinari could go down and create a bucket in addition to Shea and Schroeder. So the rubric is there, the template is there, the Suns have internal growth that can get them there. They also have ability to get better on the outskirts of this, but I think that's the thing I'm going to walk away from this with is just maybe there's some truth to it. You look at the injuries, you look at the inefficiency, the turnovers, the fact that Drew Holiday was able to get him out of rhythm. A lot of that happens because he is diminutive. He is small. LeBron is less likely to deal with a hand injury or a a performance like Paul had in Game 4 simply because LeBron's not going to be pushed and, and manipulated physically like Paul just was. So if there's anything I'm taking away in terms of worry about Chris Paul, it's that the Suns have this system where it's based upon their two star guards being elite creators every single possession. And when you take one of them out or one of them slips a little bit for all the reasons that we saw Chris Paul slip, it is a trickle-down effect that can, in certain situations against the worst matchup, lead to four straight losses. And that's what we just saw. So that's the context for how I'm thinking about what Chris Paul's future with the Suns ought to look like. And that brings us to how that future comes about. We're already again hearing from Mark Spears about the Lakers. I'll reiterate, that is the place that I think is the most likely. Chris Paul did not want to really speak to his free agency after the game. Understandably, I would imagine we will have closing 
interviews with these guys as we always do in the next couple of days, probably before this week ends, maybe even tomorrow when I can talk to you guys on Friday's show about what we hear. But for now, we don't know anything from his mouth directly. We probably won't for some time, you know, only a couple of weeks until free agency, but I would imagine he won't come out and say anything until he needs to. However, um, I would not take any of the other options very seriously until we hear something. But you hear Spears or you read Spears saying, oh, the Pelicans because of Willie Green. Well, okay, but Chris Paul already uh, walked, walked his, worked his way out of that situation once. And yes, he is close with Willie Green, but he's going to go to a worse team. I don't really see that. A, a team that's not only worse, but also further from Southern California where his family lives. I, I do not think that that makes much sense. And the Knicks, I think people really like that idea because Leon Rose, who was formerly of CAA, another reason Booker and Carl Anthony Towns and these players have been rumored to be connected to New York is, is the CAA thing. Chris Paul, obviously part of that agency, being represented by that agency as well. That to me is nonsense. It's, I think, a fascination with the Knicks. It's a fascination with Leon Rose and it's lazy to me. I don't see a reason why Chris Paul would want to go to New York City after what he just did with Phoenix. Similar to the Pelicans in some ways where it is a worse team with less talent and less familiarity. The other thing you just have to consider is that familiarity. It's not just that the Suns have this advantage of, you know, being able to negotiate with him, being able to have these conversations ahead of time. It's also that he's been here now. And a reminder that this will be, if he were to, worst case scenario, leave, even if it's the Lakers and he's playing with his buddy in LeBron and back home or, you know, his adopted home of, of SoCal, that would be his fourth team in four seasons. And despite Chris Paul wanting a title, that seems like it would not be fun to do. So the comfort, the ability to negotiate, the, the proximity to Southern California and the fact that this team is really good and will get better. All of those things make me feel like the Suns are in the driver's seat here. The Lakers are a, a, a the one team that I would say to take seriously. They don't have much of a way to sign him. This would be him taking a very hefty pay cut or a multi-team deal where the Suns get word. Chris Paul is not coming back. We're going to have to trade. X, Y, and Z, let's facilitate something that can make us better. I, I just, I don't see it as super likely, but I do think if we're talking about proximity to family and ability to win a championship, it does check those boxes. So it's the one that I'm willing to consider because he's not going back to the Clippers either. So that's how I'm looking at this. Don't believe things where people draw connections that are not based on reporting, that are based on connections that Chris Paul might have around the NBA or places that he has previously had uh, relationships or any of this because I just have no reason to believe that that is uh, a factor for him. We know what the factors are. He wants to win. He wants to be part of a, of, a, of a growth process and be around people and players that he likes to be around and be close to home. And the Suns check all those boxes. The Lakers check a couple of them. Anything else I'm not buying until we hear more. That's my initial thoughts on Chris Paul. We're already talking about it. I would prefer not to talk about free agency one day after the NBA Finals end, but the reality is that is how the NBA moves, and there is just that shortage of time. So I do get it, and it'll probably 
be a major, it will be, I'll tell you right now, a major, major part of the show um, next week, getting you ready for the transaction season. Stick right here. Subscribe if you have not already. I'm going to be with you all the way through. Um, also, before we get out of here, I wanted to plug, go to at LockedOnPHXSons on Twitter. I did tweet out a phone number that you can call and leave a voicemail. I want this to sort of be like a post-game show on 98.7 or somewhere like that. The great John Bloom, of course, handling that duty every single night. I want to do something similar where folks are able to call in. I want to respond to your words. I want to talk to you guys directly. So if you want to hear your voice on the show tomorrow, that will be Friday's show. I want to dedicate a little bit more time to this season before, again, we do move on to free agency in the draft. So go to Locked On PHX Suns, at Locked On PHX Suns on Twitter. The phone number is right there. And go ahead and call it. Leave a voicemail for me. I will listen through all of them. Pick the best ones. Respond to them on the show. And I want you guys to be part of this as well. Thank you for those who have listened. Thank you for those who call the number. And I'll be back with you tomorrow.